Welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast ranking ACC head coaches. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am the youngest brother, Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the middlest brother. That's me, Ryan Newman. And by the oldest brother. And that's me, Trey Newman. All right. This is the first episode of Rankings Week. We will have five shows this week, ranking the head coaches in each of the Power Five conferences. Keep in mind, these rankings are not about career accomplishments necessarily. It's about who we think are the best coaches right now and moving forward. And the way we came up with them is all three bros submitted ballots and we averaged them together. So... Are you guys ready to get started? Yeah, it was uh, a lot of work getting ready for it, but there's a lot of coaches, you know, a lot of coaches to get to. So let's start where, of course, this is the ACC episode. So who is the lucky number 14, Ryan, in the ACC? Uh, Yeah, uh, yeah, arguably number, what, 65, I guess. Uh, Jeff Halfley uh, over at BC just hired there. He was uh, the co-defensive coordinator at Ohio State this past season. Um. This is the only time, uh, that was the only time he's been a defensive coordinator. It was just one quick year there, and it wasn't even a full-time gig. I guess he was a co-defensive coordinator. Um, so, he was just a defensive backs coach before that. So, Trey and I both had him last uh, in our rankings. Michael, you had him just one spot ahead at 13th. Um, he's just a, obviously a wait-and-see guy. I mean, he's just such a wild card, you don't know. So, I don't know. What do you think, Mike? What, uh, what, what made you put him one spot ahead, I guess? I mean... I guess there was it was a promising year at Ohio State. The defense, of course, took a, a massive jump forward, and they were very good. So hopefully that was uh, thanks to him, in part at least. And, you know, we'll get to the next guy. Should we just move on, Trey? Do you have anything else to say about Jeff Halfley? Or? Not really, other than he's going to have to sprinkle some some magic on Chestnut Hill to, to get him turned around a bit. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough gig right now. But uh, the next coach we have here the one i actually had in last was manny diaz at miami so you know the reason i had him last is because we've seen only one season from him so far and i thought he pretty significantly underperformed they went six and seven and i think we kind of forget like before the season we thought miami had a chance to be pretty good this past year and of course they were they were not and they were worse really than any of Mark Rick's years before him so i don't know i just don't see a ton of positives right now and when they hired him from temple i mean that was of course he didn't even get a coach at temple like it's weird to in a span of a few months getting hired at temple do nothing and then get hired at miami it's just kind of a a big jump yeah i mean when your first year as the head guy at a big program goes as bad as it did. It's really hard to, to have him much, much higher than, than where we do now. I mean, he is a great defensive mind. I like his enthusiasm, but losing to Florida International, Georgia Tech, and then a bowl game that 14 to nothing to who was it? Louisiana Tech. I mean, not, not a great look. So he's, he's definitely in line to need to have a big year too. I will say the saving grace is he does have the number two class coming in this past year. So. Maybe there was some some help on the way, but he does. I mean, their talent is not usually the problem down there uh, in Miami. But second overall class in the ACC is you're going to win some games with that. Yeah, that's true. 
Uh, okay, moving on to the next coach on our list. By the way, we've got new fancy graphics now. I hope everyone is is enjoying that on on YouTube right now. Um, I'm having to learn a lot of new things, so apologies in advance if we're we're showing a graphic of some other coach that we're not supposed to be talking about, but or something the best. completely unrelated to college football. Yeah. Oh, well, I hope it's not some personal images I have, but <laughs> I don't I don't think so. <laughs> don't think it's uh, anyway. Number 12 is Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech. And Trey, you were by far the highest on on Collins in your ranking. You had him 8th. Why do you think he should he should be higher? I I just I really like him. I if this list was purely kind of on what I think coaches will do, I I might have even had him a little higher. I don't know. I just thought he did really well at Temple. I like the attitude he's bringing to the Yellow Jackets. I mean, it's a very tough gig to to take. Obviously, we've talked about how he had to take over for Paul Johnson converting the option offense. I mean, essentially, last year was like a year zero. He's Mm -hmm. embraced the challenge. They they showed a little bit of flashes. I mean, I just mentioned they beat Miami somehow. Uh, they were, they did have some bad losses totally, but that's understandable. And I just, I just, his, his demeanor just seems like to be the right guy for having to shift a program, um, the way, the way he's doing right now. Yeah. I mean, he's, he'd obviously had a good run there at Temple and I, I like him too. Um, I almost consider this past year a negative, a year like negative one for, for Jeff Collins. It's going to take yeah. more than just two seasons to get going. So I'll maybe consider this a year zero. Anybody expecting him to, you know, go bowling or anything better than that is not giving him enough, uh, I don't know, leeway, I guess. So I'm with you though. I like him. I mean, it's just hard to put him higher where he, he took over a good situation at Temple. It's not like they were a struggling program at that time under, with Matt Rule coming there. So that's kind of the main reason. If he yeah. was the the person that took Temple to the top, like, and it was his doing, okay. But you know, it's it's he didn't do that, so that's yeah, why I, I, I don't think he proved anything in his year yeah, at Temple. He kept him at their sp- level, so if that really, so yeah. Um, but yeah, but I also am. I I hear what you're saying, Trey. I am optimistic about Jeff Collins too because of the recruiting, but uh, still wait and see. Okay, moving on. We got Who number we eleven. Going on to Dave Doran, NC State. So I had him 10th. Um, this is kind of the first real big differential, I guess, that we're, that we're seeing. Uh, Michael, you had him at, uh, nine and Trey out him all the way down at 13. So a pretty big discrepancy between you guys. So I guess I'll just kind of start with you, Mike. I mean, what did you see from Dave Doran or what do you like about him that put, made you put like five, put him ahead of five coaches? I guess I'm just trying not to overreact to one year because before this past season, when he went four and eight, he had five straight winning seasons, including a really good 2017 and 2018 going nine and four each of those years. So overall, I just think he's done a reasonable job given what you should expect at NC State. If you look at all of his predecessors, Tom O'Brien, Chuck Amato, all the way back to Mike O'Kane, he's basically done what they've done. So I'm not crazy about him, but I think he's been fine. Yeah. And then inversely, I, when I looked at it, I really didn't give him credit for his first four or five years or whatever it was. I was pretty much swayed by the, the recency bias there. I just, last year, I just watched NC State a couple of times and they lost, I, th- I think they lost six in a row to finish and they just, they just looked so bad and they just didn't leave me 
with a good taste in my mouth as far as like showing any signs of life and kind of that Ryan Finley era held him up. But now it's like, okay, what have you done for me lately? So that's the way the approach I took. Yeah, I, I hear where you're coming from on that. And also, Michael, you mentioned the two nine and four years. But one of those years, I mean, they were maybe supposed to be like top 10 type, like yeah. legit, you know, and it was kind of a yeah, almost a disappointing. And- yeah, with the, the Bradley Chubb D-line, it was kind of a disappointing nine and four. So, I mean, it's, it, he's done solid. I'll give you that. I I mean, I had him at, what, 10th? So, I only have one spot behind you. But yeah, it's uh, he's probably, he's ranked appropriately, I think, between the three of us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I did. Fair. Looking at the our final combined list. I kind of liked that better than my own lists in a lot of cases. It kind of, yeah, uh, yeah, agreed. Uh, so, so next we are moving on to our in the Bros Index for the ACC number ten, Pat Narduzzi. Now, I've I'll admit I've always been a little hard on Narduzzi as the the head guy at Pitt. He he manages to always do just enough to kind of stay alive and. But I've said it before on this podcast is that I just, he's a defensive guy. He did great as the D coordinator at Michigan State, but his defenses have, at Pitt have generally been spotty. And he's been fortunate to play in a, in a down ACC since he's been there. I mean, he won his first, he only won his first bowl game this season. I, what was it again? It's Eastern Michigan, I believe. And I just, I feel like the pressure is going to mount again if, if he doesn't get over the hump. Yeah, it's you you said it right when you said he's doing just enough not to get fired. But cuz if he if he keeps at this pace, if he goes 6 and 6, 7 5 again the next couple of years, then that's not bad. Like he's proving that he's a a quality coach, he's a fine coach, but you'd probably want to roll the dice on somebody else. You'd probably want to fire him on the chance that the next guy could, you know, have that upside. I yeah, I I don't think he's uh Maybe as low as twelfth, like Trey put him at. But I know I, I'm I'm harsh on him. <laughs> that was yeah. a little tough because the guy has gone to bowl games four out of five years, um, and he did make an ACC title game appearance somehow. Somehow, somehow he, they finished seven and seven that year, but they still managed to the get ACC to the wheel game. of destiny. Yeah, exactly. So, oh, winning record, winning record in the ACC play, twenty four and sixteen. I mean, he's uh, he, there's he, you guys have kind of said it. He's he's doing a, enough to not get fired. <laughs> yeah. Okay, moving on to number nine is Dino Babers at Syracuse. And, you know, had we done this list this episode a year ago, I mean, where do you guys think we'd have him? I mean, it's hard Uh, to say. I guess he'd be hovering around probably five, I would say. Yeah, five or six, maybe. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I saw actually Athlon, they had a list and they had him third last year ahead of Justin Fuente, ahead of Bronco Mendenhall. To me, I don't think I ever got quite that high, but... Point is, he was very highly thought of. But now when you look at his four years there, after another down season, it's starting to look like 2018 was the aberration, which I can just write it off as an aberration. You do have to give him some credit. Going 10-3 and at Syracuse is insanely good. So that's why he's not much lower on this list. But the other three seasons, 4-8, and 4-8, and 5-7, and I think he's appropriately ranked here. Yeah, well, this is one where he was kind of a hot name like even there was rumors of him affiliated with usc like yeah. right now if i was a big time program i wouldn't really want to touch him right now just because like what you said three out of four years not so great and maybe 18 was an aberration yeah there's michael's cup um but <laughs> for, the, for the listeners i was showing my usc oh, yeah. glass 
<laughs> yeah. I do like his, I like his style, his attitude, and then even his track record at Bowling Green, but it's yet to kind of fully pan out at Syracuse. Yeah. I, I had him 11th. I, I did, wasn't going to put that's, him ahead of Narduzzi. That's and fair. Narduzzi's just, I got a better overall record by far. I mean, easier Udo job. Is, what? A little bit easier job, but yeah, still. Not, maybe not significantly okay. easier. Pitt isn't exactly, you know, the easiest place in the world. But yeah, I don't know. I just feel like one season isn't going to do anything. Three out of four years, it's it's been pretty rough. And this past year was pretty disappointing. They had some talent on that defense. They were supposed to be pretty good, and it was a very disappointing year. For sure. Uh, all right. So, we move on to number eight here. We got uh, Mike Norvell, the new guy down in uh, Tallahassee. So, I had him the highest uh, at seventh. Michael, you put him eighth. Uh, and then, or, well, one of you, I don't know who took where, but it was eight and ninth you guys did. Um, you know, I know he took over a good situation at Memphis, obviously from Justin Fuente, but I, I thought he was able to take it to the next level, especially this past year going 12, well, 12 one while he was there. Um, he did a wonderful job, um, taking him to a New Year's Six bowl game. That's, that was, that was impressive. So I know he isn't off to the greatest necessarily start recruiting wise there at Florida State, but I mean, it's super early. I'm sure it's going to pick up. And I just think he did a, a great job there. So it's it's kind of the unknown factor, but I think it's going to do a good job at Florida State. Yeah, I I agree with with most of what you said there. I do think reviving a struggling Power Five program with huge expectations is just a much taller task than, of course, keeping a program uh, as high as as Justin Fuente had it. So so that's why that's why he's eighth. There's there's a lot of yeah. promise, but other guys have proven more. And we're going to talk about this. Can be a theme all week about some of these coaches. It's hard to gauge the guy after the guy. And right. we, we talked about earlier, like he was he followed Fuente at Memphis, and he kind of just kept kept the train rolling. So this is where he's really going to be able to put his own fingerprints because obviously Florida State's almost in their in in their terms, they're basically starting from scratch essentially because the Willie era just ended like a train wreck. So. <laughs> um I like him, but jury's yeah. still out in my opinion. All right, moving on. And actually, before we get to number seven on our list, let's take a quick break to tell the listeners and viewers about the best Mother's Day gift you can find, or Father's Day, or really for anyone in your life. You could get it for Jeff Halfley to apologize, you know, for being 14th on our it list. It might be his only front page story. <laughs> oh, it could be. Ouch. Uh, but anyway, this gift is myfrontpagestory.com. So here's how it works. Let's say you're getting the gift for your mom. You're going to talk to a professional writer uh, about your mom for 10 to 15 minutes. That's all it takes. And they will in turn write an incredible story about your mom. They're going to put it um, on what looks like the front page of, of a local newspaper. It's got quotes from you in there. It comes framed so she can hang it up in her house. And they've sent us some of the example stories that they've written. And it's really cool. I can see why People receiving that gift gift often get emotional. So highly encourage everyone to get this gift for someone in your life. You can go to myfrontpagestory.com and type the promo code BROS20 for 20% off your pur- purchase. That's myfrontpagestory.com, promo code BROS20. I almost made it through my first without ad read without a botch. You know what? Nobody's perfect, Mike. <laughs> Nobody's perfect, except no. for myfrontpagestory.com. Oh. All right. Moving on. All right. To number seven now, halfway through, 
we have got David Cutcliffe uh, uh, from Duke. Purely when you look at an X's and O's guy, he's near the top. Um, he's got a great mind. He's done well at a very difficult school to, to win, of course. But overall, you know, he's probably not the best recruiter. And now recently he's had three out of five losing years. Uh, so he's, he's going to need a rebound year to kind of get back on top and get the, the, the train back on the tracks for Duke. Yeah. I mean, I am much more positive on David Cutcliffe, I think. Well, especially than Ryan. Ryan, I'm just going to call you out here because a little bit of a spoiler alert, but you had Dave Clawson six spots ahead of David Cutcliffe. And to me, that is just way too much. So you look at Cutcliffe, he took over, I think, a way, way worse situation at Duke. Duke hadn't been to a bowl game since 1994. They they had won two games or fewer seven of the previous eight seasons when Cutcliffe took over, and he immediately made them better, something Clawson didn't do in his first couple of years. And eventually, Cutcliffe built Duke to be a program that has made a bowl game six of the past eight years. I'm looking glass half full, Trey. You say the way you phrased I, well, I it. Know. Was, I had him six, then I love him, but yeah, you, you're saying it better. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. I try. But, uh, but no, I just, I don't know. I, I see Cutcliffe and Clawson as, pretty close and apparently ryan you don't explain no, yourself. i think i think clausen right now is what was kind of what we're talking about right yeah. we're saying from the future for it yeah dave, dave Cutcliffe did do a good job reviving that program um but if you ask me who i want today i would rather much much rather have dave clausen i think he's got a brighter future i think he's gonna lead wake to more promising uh i don't know wins i guess than than duke from now on with david Cutcliffe. um Cutcliffe has been solid, but 34 and 62 ACC record. He's had a lot of struggles too. So, eh, it, this, if you, it's, it's, this rankings are more of what have you done for me lately? So I, that's why I've classed him significantly ahead of, uh, Cutcliffe. Okay. All right. Moving on to number six on our list, we have Justin Fuente from Virginia Tech. And I think this is too low. I was the highest on him. I had him third. So, First off, it starts at Memphis. We kind of alluded alluded to it when we were talking about Mike Norvell. Memphis was terrible when he when he got there. They had gone two and ten, one and eleven, two and ten, and it took him a couple of years. But by year three, year four, he had them ten and three and nine and three. So a plus job, coaching job there, obviously. Then he goes over to Virginia Tech, and they'd kind of fallen uh, at the end of the the Beamer era. They were a seven and five ish type team. And he made them immediately better, 10 and four, nine and four. Now, the last couple of years haven't been great, but there were lots of injuries and transfers to explain that. So I think moving forward with Hendon Hooker, I, I think Virginia Tech's in good shape. Yeah. The, uh, oh, the, yeah. Well, you kind of glossed over the, the transfers. <laughs> I mean, transfers. Whatever. It's a little, little, that was a little <laughs> discouraging to me, just the mass exodus of. Of players leaving Blacksburg. I mean, they, he did rebound this past year or so, and there is some optimism heading into 2020. I, I do think highly of Fuente. You've, Michael, you've always been, been high on him amongst the three of us. He's a great offensive mind, but 2020 is still kind of a big year, big year for him to, to really validate his, his ranking for our index. I, I just feel like his time is gonna run out there eventually i feel like he started off strong and it's just been getting weaker and weaker and his hold on that job has just been getting weaker and weaker and then you look at the recruiting 
yikes, 73rd in the nation yeah, coming in yeah, this past yeah. year. The, the talent was going to run dry. Terrible recruiting class. really weird because Virginia of transfers talent in two heavy. or three years. I mean, there's not going to be much to work with. So, he might be able to hang on, have a good year or two with, with, with Hooker uh, and some decent talent coming back on offense. But there's just – it, he's going to be gone within three or four years. Whoa, he's eyes. calling it. <laughs> calling your shot. I mean, yeah. it is possible. Right now, Virginia Tech fans, I think for the most part, aren't big fans of Justin Fuente from from what I've seen. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you might be right. Maybe maybe six is appropriate for him, I guess. But I'm just very high. Not – Yep. I'm, I'm high on him. Uh, okay. Moving on. Number five, Mac Brown. I'm a little surprised we got him this low, gentlemen. Uh, I put him third. Um, you guys both put him at five, actually. Um, yeah, so I'm high on Mac Brown, but it's it's hard not to be excited about what's going on in Chapel Hill. I mean, they had a good first year on the field going seven and six. And as we know, it was close to being better than that. They had some close losses and the one in particular against Clemson. If they'd converted a two-point conversion, they would have beat him. So that's telling you Mac is doing some, some, some things right. And they have a potential superstar quarterback, Sam Howell. I mean, he arguably already is a superstar quarterback. So, and he bring in an incredibly good recruiting class and they're off to amazing start for 2021 recruiting. They're second in the nation with like 11 four stars already. Yeah, so that's crazy. That, that's, I mean, they're killing it. That's the real reason for, for excitement for sure. Well, along exactly. with Sam Howell. I mean, with Sam Howell and the talent coming in, I don't, I mean, yeah, Mac Brown, you, I, I mean, I don't know. You, his end at Texas wasn't good and you were, you know, you're kind of questioning the hire a little bit, how he, if he still had it or whatever, but he surrounded himself with good people and that team is up on the rise. So yeah, I, I'm pumped about what's going on in Chapel Hill. I don't know how you guys put him uh, at fifth. Yeah, I guess it's just, uh, just cause it's been, it's been one year of good things happening. Now there is, yeah, promise for the future with, with the crazy recruiting. I guess my devil's advocate argument is how much credit should I give him? for what Sam Howell is going to do there. Obviously, he gets credit for flipping him from Florida State, but there's a little bit of luck there that a you know, a superstar quarterback just happened to be in his backyard his first year at North Carolina. So, it seems like that's going to lead to good things, but maybe if you get in into a, that argument of like the reasons why for coaching is being successful. There's so many different I know. I'm variables. just trying as best I can to put these coaches in a vacuum, but yeah, it's tough. <laughs> I mean, I well, mean here, again, I'm, I Go like ahead. Mac Brown. Fifth is pretty high, I think. I just like some of the other coaches a little better, have proven more over a longer period of time recently. Yeah, and as a program, based on the 2021 recruiting, like I'm I'm beginning to put chips more in North Carolina. I, the, I even said it last episode how I'm I'm high on them in the future. The one thing, though, is that if I'm looking solely at 2020, they kind of are fitting my mold of like, I'm going to sell high because they're going to get a ton of hype in 2020. They won their bowl game. They had all those close games last year. I'm not ready to like anoint them for, for this upcoming season. Now the future, like, so it wouldn't surprise me if, if there was a little bit of a letdown this year before they pick it back up with all those recruits that are coming in. But, um, but yeah, I mean, Mac, let's put it this way. I wouldn't have had him fifth a year ago. No way. I, Cause no. I was like really nervous about how he was ended at Texas and the time he had off. Right. Right. Yeah. He's right. made a big jump for sure. All right. Now on to one of the big discrepancies that we were talking about earlier. Number four, Dave Clawson. Michael was a little bit more 
pessimistic on Clausen and and we talked about how Ryan was was higher. Um as for me, I I actually had him fourth. Uh he's always one of those guys that gets under appreciated, but at the same time, when people do talk about him, they speak highly of him. Uh Wake we is not an easy place to win and he's won I think four straight bowl game or he's been to four straight bowl games, winning three of four. He's had fun offenses. We know some of the players are bro, Jamie Newman, Chess Surratt, Greg Dorch, uh, John Wolford. So, and Michael, he started his head coaching career at Fordham. So that has to count for something. That does. That does. All great head coaches start there. Joe Moorhead, he'll get his chance again. Don't worry. <laughs> um. Okay. So yeah, for me, putting Dave Clawson at number two. Yeah. Whew, number two. Forest, I put him at number two. Wow. Yeah, I know. It was a, it was a bold take. But Trey already like Trey already mentioned four straight bowl games at Wake Forest is an incredible feat. So here's I have a trivia question there here for you guys. Okay. Okay. So, um, or do you? How many bowl games <laughs> has Wake been to all time? All time, I'll say. I, mean, I have no idea. Twenty. Oh no! I'll say I'll say less than that. The fact that he's asking the question, I'll say eight. Well, that that eight is pretty dang low. Okay. Fourteen well. now. 14, 14 okay. yeah, split so the difference. 10 bowl games before Clawson ever got there in their entire existence, four straight now. He's done a remarkable job with that program. That's true. I mean, I hate to be the one that I know is is low on Dave, Cla- Dave Clawson. I mean, there's not a ton negative to say. He's done a great job. It took him a couple of years to get going. And those first two years were, you know, the team was worse than than what he took over. But that's okay. You know, because now the last four years have been insane. So yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to sit here and and try and argue he should be Michael, lower. Michael, maybe you're you're thinking he's hit his ceiling at Wake. Is that maybe a thought you had? Thank you for planting an intelligent thought in my head because that would be a good thing to say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. He might have hit a bit of a ceiling. That's a good point. Sounds like yeah. you might think that, Trey. No, <laughs> but you're well, too afraid to say. I was it. just trying to. I'm trying to validate your ranking here. <laughs> I could see him pulling a Jim Grobe type of season and getting to an ACC title game one year. Yeah. Yeah, there's there they should be pretty good this year. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yep. Number three is Bronco Mendenhall of Virginia. And I think I think this is this is fair to have him this high for sure. He was at BYU for eleven years, never once had a losing season. And the last five years there, he won eight to ten games every single year. So great job there. And then surprisingly took the the Virginia job, I think. No yeah, one. What the heck? Yeah, no one saw that coming. No. Um, so weird. And Virginia had been struggling. They'd been to one bowl game the previous eight years. Took them a year to get going for, for Mendenhall, but now they've been to three straight bowls. They went to a New Year's Six Bowl last year. He's done a great job. I mean, he's just a, a very solid coach. His teams are always good. Yeah, there's yeah, been he got steady improvement there in Charlottesville. And mm-hmm. like you said, it's, it's a tough place to win. And he's he's at least at this point elevated Virginia back to respectable and where they, a place where they can hover around that 20, top 25. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not low on, on Mendenhall, I guess. I, have him, I had him at fifth, so I had him lower than you guys did. Um, I just don't think he's going to be able to maintain – the success he's had these past couple of years there. He kind of struck gold a little bit with the Bryce Perkins get. Uh, he was kind of a not exactly a high-level JUCO recruit, but he ended up turning out to be pretty darn good for them. Uh, and I, I mean, if he has – this upcoming year is a kind of a, 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 a 
big year for me, at least, as to what you're going to get. They lose some talent. They lose Bryce Perkins. What? How is Virginia going to be? I don't think they're going to be very good. I think they're going to take a little bit of a nosedive this year. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't make a bowl game. He's not recruiting that all that great. I mean, it's middle of the pack. Maybe it's a little bit on the bottom half of the ACC. So I don't think he's going to be able to maintain it. I think he got a little lucky here the past couple of years, honestly. Okay. Next um, team. All right. Our next coach. Let's move it on. Yep. Number two, uh, we got Scott Satterfield. Uh, that's a uh, put him a second here, guys. It's pretty pretty bold. I had him at fourth. Um, Me Michael too. And I actually agreed on that. Yeah, Trey, you were the only outlier there putting him a second, which is a strong take. Um, so I guess I'll just kind of ask you, Trey, what's uh, what's in your eyes is making him I mean, already number two? What a complete turnaround he was able to do with Louisville after the Bobby Petrino debacle. I mean, he totally took that program and kind of re- reignited it and he has a ton of exciting players he he went eight and five last year when no one really saw that coming they won their bowl game uh if you not that we're doing this but if you include his app state resume he's just overall really impressive and he's it's like everything he touches turns to gold i mean and i have a lot of i'm buying louisville going into this year so i i'm just i just like i just like him at louisville right now no yeah it's I think Louisville fans are super excited and they should be. And we all had, I mean, putting him forth, Ryan, we still think very highly of, of Scott Satterfield. Yeah. And yet the job at App State, like it's almost more impressive what he did there in his time than even this great year one at Louisville, because going into FBS as a new FBS program, it was like year two, they won like 10 or 11 games or something. It was crazy how, how quickly they yeah. were good. Yeah, I, I, I guess I'll just be a little bit of the devil's advocate on why I had him low-ish compared to to Trey. Obviously, you know, for for college football, we've got to point to recruiting. He's not exactly tearing it up on the recruiting front. Seventh in the ACC last year, middle of the pack, and they're off to a kind of a slow start for, for 2021. Um, but to put him at second, uh, let me – so let me just kind of ask you a question here. Who do you think – is set up better for success at this current moment, Mac Brown or Scott Satterfield? I mean, if I had to base it off recruiting, yeah, I would maybe take Carolina. Well, everything, considering everything, considering who the coach is on the field, considering his production, considering, you know, if you were, if you were, let's say, I say you are a fan and you but see, have, this is, this is weird because I'm not looking at, because I think Satterfield could do what, Mac is maybe doing it at North Carolina. I'm not. Yeah, it's a it's a tough call. North Carolina I, is a. I think I get where you're going. It's just it's very. It's do you think North Carolina is a much better the job? ACC to me is like one, and then everybody else. It's like well, that's obviously true for it, sure. I just like but all these teams just kind of come like it should be Miami. It should be number two, and then everybody. But right now, it's like no one has any idea who's going to be like the second best team this year. It's just like a rotating door and yeah, and to kind of defend Trey too. I, I th- that question you ask is who's set up better for success. I agree. I, I would say North Carolina right now, but I don't think that totally answers the question of of who's the better coach. I know they both just started a year ago, but it's almost like okay, I'm I'm trying to, to predict in a vacuum who's the better coach. So if I just plopped Mac Brown now at a different school and I plopped Scott Satterfield, I guess I do have a little bit more faith in Scott Satterfield because I don't know. I just because he's had more. He's had more longevity. He's been at App State for several years. And wait, did you say Scott Satterfield has more longevity than Mac Brown? Recent, recent, recently. 
like okay. are you because when you go back longevity well when you go back 10 years ago <laughs> the seasons start to mean a lot less to me okay all right but ryan yeah like the way carolina's recruiting wow unbelievable like they're set up should be yeah i just i, I don't see how you can look past the i mean the, the on-field production is the same this past year seven and six eight and five they're pretty much the same you know right neck and neck um but i just think North Carolina's. I don't see North Carolina as a way better job than Louisville. Do you guys? Like no program no. prestige. Like no, it's pretty much pretty similar. So the amount of optimism and excitement that Mac has going, I yeah, that's why I have him higher than Satterfield. But that's fair. Anyways, no, I mean that's fair. Uh, well, there's a lot of suspense. I'm sure listeners have been yeah. waiting yeah, for us yeah. to get done with uh, our discussion of Scott Satterfield. Number one, Dabo. Michael's favorite. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, you, obviously no one in their right mind could argue this. Been in the national title for the last five years. He's kills it in recruiting. I mean, they're the clear, clear upper echelon of the ACC and college football in general. I mean, and you just don't see it slowing down anytime soon. No. Do you guys remember what your thoughts were on the Dabo Sweeney hire when it happened? It was odd. Yeah, I I don't honestly have a lot of optimism. I don't quite remember what I thought, but I imagine I did not like it because he's a wide receivers coach, never been a coordinator, pretty much, as I remember, an unknown nationally, just retaining the interim guy. And yeah, it just goes to show you. He didn't start like gangbusters. That's true. That's true. It took a few years. And uh, yeah, now this what has happened has happened. So just goes to show you that no matter how much you love or hate a hire when it happens, you never know what can happen. Yeah. Herm Edwards. Exactly. We'll get to that in our Pac-12 uh, episode <laughs> later in the week. Uh, I have a question for you guys about Dabo. Will he be at Clemson in 10 years? Yeah. I say yes as well. I think he could be a lifer there. Yeah. Uh, he. I don't see him moving on to any other job in in uh, college. I think I definitely don't see him as an NFL guy. So that's ruled out. And we always talk about if he would go to Alabama or not. And yeah, I think he could just be the guy at Clemson. I, I think yeah. that would be pretty cool. I agree. I agree. Okay. If he doesn't ruin it with his, some of the comments that he might make. Yeah. I think he'll be, as long as he keeps winning, he'll be fine. <laughs> He's got some strong takes out there. He does have some strong takes. Uh, okay. I, I Well, so before we move, finish oh, here, oh, let's go back. Let's go back to Dabo. Okay. Well, not about Dabo, just general ACC thoughts here, if I may. Well, yeah, yeah. No, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm getting to. Here we go. I'm showing the list of 14 schools now, or 14 oh, coaches. Right. Okay, let me... We got the list up there now? Oh, yep. there it is. Yeah, cool. Um, So, this kind of helps my my uh, my point here. Kind of a weak group of coaches. I got to be honest. I was trying to compare to other the other Power Fives. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe we can talk about this like on uh, Friday or something when our, our last podcast is, but if we rank... Maybe we should do come up with this, but rank the conferences by coaches, like who has the strongest group and the weakest group of coaches. I think it's a battle between the ACC and the Pac-12 yeah. for the weakest group of coaches. I Okay. I strongly disagree with you that it's a battle between the ACC and the Pac-12 because I think clearly the Pac-12 is the worst. Like, yeah, I don't even think it's the Pac-12. Yes. Pac-12 South, yes. It, just Pac-12 in know. general. Top to bottom. Like, there's some... Like, it, like well, let's put it this way: for the ACC, 
like next year or year after, like, would it surprise you if Manny Diaz was like the fifth guy? Like if he kind of got Miami back a little bit, yeah, they could have a good year. Jeff Collins could move higher. Yeah. I mean, there's some guys down here. Dino Bamers could rebound. I mean, uh, yeah, I actually think it's a decent crop of coaches. I'll, we'll we'll see when we get to the to the rest of the lists this week. But I don't know. I think I, the yeah, top half I, is pretty good. Like you look at two through seven. I think you can. But how proven are these guys? I mean, I, I like what's what's Bronco Mendenhall's biggest achievement going nine and four, nine and five, and uh, at Virginia. I mean, he had just some big years. Nobody's really achieved greatness outside of Dabo Sweeney. Like really, a really good year. Who has the best year? Oh, I. You know, I'm not disagreeing with at that. Their current it's, just, this is, it's kind of back to my point is that it's like after Clemson, it's just kind of a uh, yeah, at the, mosh at pit the, of everybody their else. current school, the best year out of any of those the rest of the 13 coaches is probably Fuente, maybe going 10 and what do you go like 10 for one year or something like that? Yeah. I mean, that's like the best hey, Matt year. Matt Brown won a national championship, Ryan. We're still counting. Okay. We're still counting <laughs> this, right? The long- those 13 coaches out of those 13 coaches, the best year of, out of all of them is not very good. Yeah, I think what hurts them right, right now yet. is that the like for instance at Florida State, of course, that's a program where you you can be capable of winning national championships and things like that, and now they're kind of rebuilding. So, yeah. Maybe Mike Norvell will be thought of that way in in a few years. Um and 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 at Miami, we we talked about man, that's the program where you can have that kind of greatness. But the other guys that aren't at the great schools like Dave Clawson and David Cutcliffe, they're doing basically as good as you can at those schools you're right yeah it's, yeah it's tough the acc is just kind of top to bottom down so that's kind of what makes it yeah it makes you probably I attribute think that. that i attribute that to some coaching okay <laughs> yeah all right <laughs> it's totally <laughs> it's like fair. i've been good in the past so what's the difference i don't know okay that was good though it's a good first episode i'm looking forward to the rest of this week. Hopefully, we get a little nastier in this in the in the future <laughs> episode. We're gonna get nastier to get in nasty future episodes. You guys. Just trying to create more debate and like, you know. Okay. I like it. You know, brothers butting heads type of deal. That's, yeah. Uh, trying to get you guys to go a little bit. <laughs> Easing into the week. Kind of tiptoed around me a little bit. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll bring it next time. Don't worry. Uh, thanks Don't bring it too hard. I'm, I'm scared. <laughs> okay, Ryan. Can't have it both ways. <laughs> uh, thank you, everyone, for listening or watching to the College Football Bros podcast. Remember to subscribe on YouTube or in your podcast app, because like we've said, we're going to be covering the rest of the conferences this week. And we've put a lot of work, as we said, into these rankings. So we'd really appreciate if everyone would help us out. Retweet our episodes on Twitter at CFB Bros. Like the videos on YouTube. Let us know your disagreements. That's a big thing. Let us know in the comments of YouTube, on Instagram, wherever, um, what kind of which coaches you thought were too high or too low. I'm looking forward to those comments. For sure. Yeah, yes. that's going to be fun. Get, I mean, don't go easy on us. You can yell at us and call us stupid. We can take it. Uh, Ryan actually enjoys it, but that's a separate issue. <laughs> but anyway, thanks again. And we will talk to you tomorrow with the Big 12. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros. Follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros. And for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.
Angie's List is now Angie, your home for everything home. Angie still has the same top pros and reviews you've counted on for more than 20 years. Only now, you'll also get access to all the tools you need to make your home a happy place. Inside, outside, big or small, Angie helps you find the right solution for whatever you need done, all from your phone. It's simple to find upfront pricing and instantly book hundreds of projects. You can even search pricing guides to see what others paid for similar jobs and easily compare quotes from top local pros to make sure you're getting a fair price. From lawn care to repairing the AC to the project of your dreams, Angie has your home projects handled from start to finish. Plus, when you book and pay through Angie, they'll cover your project up to the full purchase price plus limited damage protection with their happiness guarantee. Make your home an Angie home. Check out Angie.com today. And for more on the happiness guarantee, go to Angie.com forward slash happiness hyphen guarantee dot htm.